0: Welcome to Pathway Home. This is your podcast, but not just a podcast. This is also your online church where I want to be your pastor and I want you to find a church home here online. And so, but this is our podcast where we talk about the things of faith, things of the Bible, things of life, and where things just naturally come out in conversation. We don't really have an agenda here. No, uh, we, just well, see where we do, it goes. <laughs> we do a little bit today, yeah. Uh, but we're going to talk about some about Amy's testimony today, but usually it's just, let's just talk and see where the conversation goes.
1: Yeah. Which is the best part because I feel like it's just Holy Spirit led. I love it. it. To
0: go. I love it. You know, my wife and I, we've been doing full-time ministry for 17 years now. And some of the greatest conversations about God and the scriptures have been around our dining room table or kitchen table, or uh, somebody just over at our house, sitting on the couch in the living room. We have zero agenda, and all of a sudden, the things of life just start coming out.
1: Yeah, where it just becomes natural. I mean, you're right. That's where the best conversations come out, where you're just yourself, and you're having a real conversation with someone you actually care about.
0: Yeah. When you have an agenda, you feel like somebody's just preaching at you. Oh, yeah. Hey, come here. I got, I got some stuff I want to talk to you about.
1: Don't preach to me. It's like, Oh man, (laughs) I ain't
0: going to preach to you. Uh, I preach to you every week on Sunday. So there we go. (laughs) I'll sit down for that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm excited to have Amy here. She's here with us uh, every podcast. Um, But I wanted to, to uh, interview her uh, with just some things about her life, her journey. Um, You've become a, TikTok sensation. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got, you know, you got 300,000 followers. You can follow her on TikTok at Bless It Forward.
1: Thank you. Yeah, follow me there, guys. (laughs) Uh,
0: And Instagram is also Bless It Forward.
1: No, it's Amy double underscore Ayala, which is spelled A-Y-A-L-A.
0: There you go. (laughs) And so um, Amy has been part of my church here in Northridge, California. We're called Pathway SFV online. We're Pathway Home, but... We're pathway. we're pathway. And, uh, she has been part of the church here for about a year and a half and yeah. I've had a lots of conversation with her. I've been, I have the privilege of being her pastor and watching her grow and a lot of things in her life. And, and I'm just, I'm super pumped that you are part of our online, uh, church and that you're doing these podcasts with me. Yeah. And, uh, And so I just wanted to talk to you just about you and the things that Jesus has done in your life. Um, And so tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you come to know Jesus?
1: Well, I grew up in church, so I've been in church my whole life, um, starting from Salacuna, from those who don't know, that's where they take care of the babies, to, you know, Sunday school, been in church my whole life. Um, So I've always been around, always been around the atmosphere of church, but I think that for me, when I truly came to know Jesus, was at the age of nineteen, and that's where I really distinguished what was the difference between, you know, being a churchgoer and having, you know, you believe in God. I'm not saying you don't believe in God during that and during that time, but then there comes a moment of true surrender when you actually realize who Jesus is.
0: So, what were you doing during your uh, your childhood and your teenage years?
1: I was serving. I was a Sunday school teacher. But
0: what was your mentality? Is say yeah. you say you know at nineteen is when I I truly uh, surrendered yeah. and and decided that Jesus is it for me. Yeah. But what was your mentality before that?
1: I was a church girl. You know, I, I I think I did what I was supposed to do. It almost seems like there's this natural progression when you know you're in church and you believe and I've always called it like the ABCs, you know, you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're baptized, you know, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the only natural next step to do is, you know, you're serving with kids, so at the age of 10, I remember I received, you know, baptized in the Holy Spirit, like around nine years old, I baptized around 10 years old, and I was like, well, I'll become a Sunday school teacher, I was a kid taking care of kids, it just seemed like the natural progression of things, and that was the atmosphere that I grew up in, like, you know, a lot of Other people that were my age, we did the same thing. It Mm -hmm. just seemed like what I was supposed to do. Um, Did I ever see it as something that I was going to do for the rest of my life? No. Did I see it as something that, you know, that I wanted to do? Probably not. It, It just seemed like this is what I should be doing and this is the right step. And at 19, everything really shifted for me because at the time I was teaching to kids. And, you know, I think back during the seasons on how necessary those seasons were now that I think about it but um at 19 I was actually doing the series I was teaching the middle school kids at this time. And I was doing a series um I, I think it was on disabilities like because I was working at Johnny and Friends at the time mm. and my youth pastor knew What's Johnny team. and Friends? for Johnny who and don't Friends know. is a nonprofit organization that was started by Johnny Erickson Tata and I was working there from the age of 16 to around 19 years old. I was one of their interns. Mm. So I, And who's Johnny Erickson Tata? She is a speaker. Uh she's uh, was um and became disabled at the age of, I think it was 16 years old. And she just, you know, started painting with her mouth and began to just allow God to use her life. And so she was a huge um, piece in my life. You know, when you think back now, okay, I'm 25 now. When I think back now, it's funny how God really just orchestrates everything and you have no idea what he's doing. And now when I think back to that, I'm like, that was so necessary. You didn't
0: even realize he was orchestrating things. No, I didn't. And listen, that'll preach to somebody right yeah. now. Am I right?
1: You no, know, it's true. At 16, I there uh, at that job, I was um being an, I was an intern for uh, the uh, if I'm not mistaken for like where they do finances and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I had a meeting one day with the VP. And he was one of the ones that was in charge of the finance department, and I wanted to kind of prove to him, hey, like this is I thought that that's where i was spend the rest of my life in terms of like my career. Like I'm going to grow in this company. And I came to him and and we had this interview thing and you know he told me, Amy, this business thing isn't going to work out for you. I said, what? (laughs) I was 16 years old. I felt crushed. He actually wrote my recommendation for Pepperdine. I wanted to go to Pepperdine for business school. (laughs) And um, he's like, it's not going to work out for you. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, Amy, you've been anointed for something that you don't even know yet. And I'm telling you now that you're anointing is different than the appointment and when the appointment comes you will understand I walked out of that room like what did he I had no idea what he was just talking about and it was during that time that God really started like just placing things and I started seeing things and my youth pastor that day was doing you know that little seminar thing with the kids and he came to me afterwards he's like Amy when are you gonna preach I go, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, when are you going to preach? You know, you should, you should start a home group for youth. I said, never. That's not <laughs> what I'm supposed to do. And he's like, why? Why are you saying that? That's not what you're supposed to do. In high school, I grew up with uh, sp- uh, public speaking anxiety. So I hated public speaking. I actually took tests in separate rooms because I couldn't take the anxiety of people around me. Like anybody in my mind, everybody was looking at me and I didn't like it. So I had to take tests in separate rooms. I'd rather take an F. Then have to speak in front of a class. <laughs> so that was my background. So now he told me he wanted me to speak. I'm like, we're not doing that. And he told me, Amy, what's it going to take? I, I told him, like, you can tell me, the pastor can tell me, the pastor's wife can tell me, the deacon tell, can tell me, and I'll say no. And he said, no, I didn't ask you that. What's it going to take for you to say yes? And I said, for God himself to confirm to me this is what he wants me to do. I went inside church. Literally, I was sitting out for two minutes, and there was this and prophecy. God says,
0: watch this. Yep. And cracks his knuckles. and <laughs> Two minutes
1: in, he said, you asked for confirmation, and here it is. I'm going to use your life. And in that moment, I knew. The exact speech that I used was a speech that came in the, in the, in the prophecy. And I remember falling to my face and just saying, okay, I surrender. I didn't even know what I was surrendering to. Or for what, I just knew I was surrendering to him. And so I began to say, all right, like, let's open up a home group. And it became it it like this month process of, all right, God, I said, yes, when are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? Until one day I remember I was at church, and I went to the altar, and I was like, God, I said, yes, now use my life. And I, I remember yelling it out to him and mm. crying out, God, here I am, use me. And that same day, right afterwards, without me asking, they said, hey, we got a home group for you. And it just happened to be in my grandma's apartment complex that I was going to be speaking at. And so that was really the beginning of the journey for me of, you know, what surrender was. And it was in that time where I began to fall in love with the Bible and with the Word of God. Um, I always felt like, for me, the Bible is what I opened up when I went to church Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and heard what the guy in the altar had to say. But the Bible was never real to right. me or for
0: me. What would you tell somebody who says, I'm, I am I grew up kind of like you. I've been in church all my life. I know about the Bible. I know about God. I believe in God, but it's never really become, I've never really had an encounter with God to where it becomes my own, to where I begin to really, truly fall in love. Yeah with God for myself because I know Him? What would you tell somebody like that?
1: That we have to get along with God. I think that, you know, at least for myself, a lot of my faith came because I went to church. But my faith was not based on me knowing who God was. And I was forced into a time where I got alone with Him.
0: What forced you?
1: The word of of Him saying, I'm going to use your life. And realizing in from that place, well, if I'm going to be talking about him, I should probably know him. <laughs> and, you know, that's Makes just sense. the way that it goes. You <laughs> should probably know him. And in knowing him, I, I, there's no other way where I can say it besides I fell in love with him. I fell in love with this person. I fell in love with his word. I fell in love with all that he did in my life and, and how he was working and how he was speaking and how he was orchestrating things where – I stopped caring about myself. And by that, I mean, I came to a point where I died to myself. And until I got to that point, I wasn't going to see God do anything else. I needed to come to the end of myself to come to the beginning of him. And so when I got alone with him, I started opening up my word. And that's that I tell my parents now, I like look back and tell them, I had nobody really directing me. It was just me on my own. And I, And, you know, now with YouTube, it's kind of like, you know, everything opens up to you. I remember hearing in, in my in that, in that time, John MacArthur, Paul Washer, Francis Chan, and hearing these men of God speak of just the word. I'm just like, where? Are, how are they seeing this? Like, where yeah. are they getting this from? And I started asking God, like, God, can you teach me to see your scripture this way? I want to see it in that way. I want to love it that way. And I have journals and journals of all these sermons and writing it down word for word. And I can see on the pages even like teardrops. Mm. And I've never cried over the word of God in my whole, <laughs> you know, the whole time that I was a Christian. And, and now it was just opening up to me. It's kind of like, you know, I was blind and now I, I see. And anything that he asked me to do from that point on, it was a yes. And so I would say to anybody that's in that same place, you know, there's a lot of people that grew up Christian. I, say, I always say, well, I might, might have grown up Christian, but that doesn't mean i am grown in Christ. You can grow a Christian without growing in Christ. Oh, boy, that's the truth. And it becomes less about, this is my religion. You know, they used to tell me, I remember in high school, they'd say, hey, what religion are you? And I would say, oh, I'm Christian. And now I think back to that. I really don't believe in religion because the word Christian doesn't save me. Yeah, I identify as a Christian, but, you know, Christ saves me. Jesus saves me. Yeah, Having a relationship with him, knowing him as an intimate God, a God that wants to be close to you. And I think just knowing that you know as as much as I desire him, he desires us all the more. draw close to him, and he will draw close to you and as soon as that word opened up for me, I was like, "This is a God that wants to come near me, then I want to come near him as much as i can
0: that's so good, and you know that's 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 been my experience too, yeah, you know, and where you 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 decide that you're gonna get to know him that you're going to take him seriously at his word. You say, "All right, Lord, it's just me and you. And if you've asked me to believe, then I'm going to take that step. And I'm going to try you out as even the book the the Bible says in the book of Psalms, mm-hmm. taste and see that the Lord is good. In other words, God's given out free samples." Yeah. He's given out free samples of myself and I don't mean to make it sound uh ridiculous or or that's it's a frivolous thing. But God says, listen, if you're undecided or if you don't really don't know how good I am, well, then come.
1: Yeah.
0: Come and taste me. There's an
1: invitation. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And once you taste who God really is, there is no going back. You know, I heard um, I've heard lots of people over the years say things like, well, you know, I'm disappointed with God or I never really could get into it or I never really understood it. Or I went to church my whole life and it just I don't know. It just. I didn't, I didn't get it uh, or things of that nature. And maybe you're watching right now and you're one of the people who's, who said something like that. And, and I always say to myself, and, and if the, the, the moment is correct, I'll say it to the person as well. Say, you don't know God and you don't know him like I know him. Mm -hmm. And that's not to pat myself on the back at all, but, but once you know him and you've actually had an experience with his goodness, with his power, with his transformation. You never say things like that again. No. You never say, um, well, you know, I it just, it's just not doing it for me. No, you, you, there's no way you can say that. The Bible says, I was actually read it. I read it this morning. Psalm chapter 145. It says, the eyes of all wait upon you and you give to them food in due season. You open your hand and you satisfy the desires of every living creature. I love that, but it's like, but but it, it says you give to them food in due season. In other words, at the right time, God has you on His agenda. Mm-hmm. He says, if you will say yes to Me, I'm going to open My hand in due season, and you will find that I will satisfy every desire that you've ever had. And it's not, and and I agree with what you said just a moment ago. Say it's not about religion. I don't believe in in religion. Religion does more damage than it does good, but when you come to know Jesus Mm -hmm. and you experience his presence, his transformation, you realize religion has nothing to do with it.
1: It, it, For me, my experience with religion, how we define it is so much, what can I do in order to have this right standing with God? Yeah. How many services do I need to attend? Should I pray for five minutes or for 10 minutes in the morning just so I feel good? And when you get to relationship, it's like, I want to spend all my time with him. I want to know him even more. The way that I really explain what happened, it's before was I have to go to church. Yeah. And then it becomes I get to go to church. I have to pray. And now it's (coughs) I get to pray. I get to open my Bible. It's a privilege to do so. Yeah. And this mindset change can only happen when you really, one, open up your heart to God and, you know, escape from I already know that. Right. Like, When I read Psalm 23 now, I used to say, well, I, I know this. I read Psalm 23 now, it's like every time there's something different. Yeah. Every time there's something new. And when you come to that and you come to that place of God, I just want to know you. Pray that to him earnestly and watch him show you who he is.
0: That's exactly right. And, you know, even what you said is it's I I, I have to versus I get to. Mm-hmm. Um I've said for years that your relationship with God is uh, mirrored in the relationship of marriage. My wife and I have been married for 18 years now, and there comes and and I love my wife. She is my favorite person in the whole world. And when I made vows with her 18 years ago, I didn't say, "Well." I'll honor you and I'll keep myself only for you. And now, you know, 18 years later I say, well, you know, I have to honor my wife. You know, I, I have to be faithful to her. Well, no, it's not <laughs> I have to. It's because I love my wife. We've built this amazing life together. I'm her favorite person and she's my favorite person. I know that if I don't honor her, if I'm unfaithful to her, then I will potentially irreparably damage the relationship with the person I love most in this world. And so it's because of my love for my wife that I am not going to be unfaithful to her Mm. and I'm not going to dishonor her. I'm not going to beat her. It's not because I can't do it because, well, I made a vow, and now I just got to be faithful to that. No, it's because I want relationship with you, therefore, I will not do the things that's going to damage that relationship, and it's the same way you're looking at a relationship with God. Well, the Bible is just a bunch of do's and don'ts. Well, no, it's actually not. Mm-hmm. The Ten commandments, don't do, don't do, thou shalt not. But if you say, if you know if you know God the way you're talking about. Then you're going to say, I want to do these Ten Commandments. I want to live out the Bible because I know if I don't, I'm going to damage my relationship with God, who is so amazing.
1: Yeah. And it's like the, the, our relationship with God, once we view it as a relationship, I'm going to take care of it. You know, I love the scripture that was like those that are, you know, clean of hands and pure of hearts are the ones that will, you know, see God. And every day has to be uh, this decision God, clean my hands purify my heart because I want to see you and I know that there's still so much in me that can prevent me from seeing you in certain ways or in a certain light and every day is a step of I want to move closer to you I can't look at my relationship with God now and say I've got it no I want more and that's why I love even you know um, the story of Moses After, you know, the Bible says that he spoke to Moses face to face as a man would speak to his friend. I always thought the scripture said, that's all I would want. God, I want to speak to you face to face. Yeah. A few verses later, what do you hear Moses say? Show me your glory. And I've always been stunned that that comes afterwards, meaning Moses was still hungry for more. And it really teaches you it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, you'll never fully know God. There's something always to learn about him yeah. and to know about him and to grow in him. And so my relationship with God has really been that where it's been, God, show me your glory. I want to see it displayed around me, in me, and through me. I want to know you in that way.
0: That's so good. And what Moses also said, he said, uh, show me your glory so that I may serve you better. Mm. And it, oh, my gosh, God that God shows him face to face and speaks with him as a friend. He says, show me your glory because I want to serve you better. Wow! And we're talking about stinking Moses, man. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who saw God in a burning bush and saw God on the mountain and saw the Red Sea open and saw all the miracles that happened in Egypt and and the undeniable presence of God. And he says, Lord, I still I, I need to serve you better. And if that was true for the guy who spoke to God face to face as a friend, well, then that's certainly true for all of us. (laughs) (laughs) So once you decided at 19 years old that Jesus is it for me, I surrender all. What what are the things that began to happen in your life? You talked about you fell in love with God. You fell in love with his word. But what did you start seeing uh, happen in your mind, your heart, your life around you, doors opening for you?
1: Yeah, so right after I opened uh, the home group, um, the very first day, I remember there were four people that came. And this is where I started really seeing, okay, there's something more. There are four people who came, and I gave a message. And I I had no experience. At this point, I've only had experience speaking to, you know, five- to 12-year-olds. And all these four people gave their lives to Jesus. And these were regular church goers. And it didn't make sense to me. I was like, I, I knew for sure. Oh, nobody's going to say yes. You guys, you guys already know Jesus. But then it, I came to a reason. It's not about already knowing Jesus. Because like I said, you can grow up Christian without growing in Christ. And after that point, every single week, I would do the call and people would come. And I began to be broken for the broken and be broken for the lost. And I really... You know, God really started giving me a heart for evangelism and to see people saved. And I remember one day in specific, I was probably a month into this home group, um, I gave a message and I talked about eternity. I talked about time, how time is not ours. And whether you're a believer or not a believer, what I'm about to say is true. I can't guarantee you life. I can't guarantee you tomorrow. I can't guarantee these next five minutes. I can't guarantee you next year. And I think that 2020 even more showed us, we do not own time. The moment that we have is a gift from God. And that day, you know, something happened in my family where I had an estranged cousin. He actually was killed, in a a car ran him over. And that was the very same night that I spoke those words at that group. And I woke up the next morning to that news, and that shaped my life from that point on. That had to happen. I wasn't close to him by no means, But then every person, I was at my college campus, and now every person that I saw now became him. Mm. Because although I was speaking in a group about God, I I never told him. And so I started seeing every person. I was like, I don't know if I'm ever going to see them again. So what am I going to do with this moment that I have right here? So I actually started leaving class to go to the parking lots to go talk about Jesus Mm. in the drop-off zones. And in, you know, in the parking lots, handing out flyers to my home group and making that the starter conversation. And this was for about a week. And, and then I, I really came to this place of, I can't do this anymore. I was in class. I was in my economics class. where they were drawing a graph. And I looked at it, and I was like, this isn't meant for me anymore. I, I knew yeah. I'm not supposed to be here. And so I actually dropped out of, you know, at that point And I was like, "Oh, you know, the most natural thing I did was, well, I guess I'll go to call, I'll go to Bible college. I, I guess that makes sense. Like, that's more Christian, I guess. I actually went in as an English major. So I, at, to this point, I still had no intentions to pursue Bible. Right. I was like, I'll release, I'll, I'll release a book. Like, that'll be my plan. And about a month in, my counselor called me in, and he told me, you are not an English major. I said, okay, well, what am I? He's like, you need to be a Bible major. I said, okay, if that's what you say. Like, it wasn't even me forcing it or moving my hand it just you know started happening and when I got there and they you know I got into the bible the bible classes I was like this is so much bigger than I thought Mm. and I felt even more in love with the word and the richness of it and, and the detail how everything's connected how nothing's accidental how from Genesis to Revelation you'll see Jesus and how there's prophecy fulfilled and I looked at it and I said how could anybody deny God and what am I doing with my life to show other people how real he is? And so I was, I was in love with Bible college. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do this. And then about a year and a half into Bible college, they called me into the counselor's office. They told me, hey, you no longer have FAFSA. Hmm. This was a private you know, Bible college. Right. You no longer have FAFSA. And the same teacher that brought me in and told me, you're a Bible major, he, he, he actually told me, hey, I know that you can't do your other classes, but I want you to do mine. So he actually let me be in his class for free. He's like, I'm going to save your work. And during this time, I was frustrated because I started telling God, God, you want me to speak. In this world today, we need a piece of paper that says we're good enough to speak your word. Right? I'm qualified to speak your word. And I said, now what do you want me to do now? Because now to the world, I'm unqualified. Hmm. And all I had was this one class that I was taking. About a week into me... Um, not being in school, I received a call because it was a, a kid that would go to my church that was now attending my old high school. And I kind of gave him some direction on, on how to start a Christian club. And the same teacher that was my sponsor, because I had a Christian club in high school, was a, was a sponsor now. And he called me, hey, we're doing our first meeting, can you come? Can you come speak? I was like, well I have nothing better to do. I'm not in class anymore. Right. So I went like it's gonna be one time. I remember I came in with Taco Bell. I started inviting kids. Um
0: I'm there. Yeah. Please cheesy Gordita Crunch. You see? Anything, bring food, <laughs> they'll
1: come. But only seven kids came. A few of my friends came with me and I spoke about eternity again. In that same classroom that I used to be in, speaking probably, you know, three years ago. I was now speaking to these seven kids. I gave the call. All the kids were weeping. Hmm. And they said, I want to accept Jesus in my life. And in that moment, I knew there's nothing else I want to do. And from that point on to now, I've been a campus missionary. I was just sold out for high school campus missions. And that club of seven kids became a club of 450 kids meeting Mm. in a public high school campus Wow! in my old high school. It shouldn't have happened. It couldn't have happened, but God did it. And it came out of a place of disappointment and confusion. And God birthed this to happen. And, you know, a lot of stuff was happening in between, but it was just a, the way that I described it is that whole journey was just a journey of yes, I don't know what I was saying yes to. I was just going to show up and see what God does.
0: You know, that's such a, it's such a great way to live your life that God is not looking for specifics, the specifics that we look for. Yeah. We look for people with a degree. We look for people who are rich and famous and good looking and super talented and, They've got the degrees and they've got all the the recognitions necessary to uh, to do what they do. God only looks for people who say yes. Mm -hmm. And then after it's people who say yes, he looks for people who are humble. Mm -hmm. People who humbly just say yes and obey. Say, God, I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't even know why I'm doing it. All I know is that you've called me to do it there. I can guarantee there are people listening right now. That you are running from God, that God has called you the way he's called to Amy, the way he's called to me in the past. Uh, And 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 you have said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. know, Because I don't I don't know how I'm going to make it happen. Well, the good thing about God is you don't have to make it happen. He makes it happen. All you have to do is say yes, be humble and obey him. Yeah. And he will do things beyond your wildest expectations.
1: You know, when I started, one of my mentors actually told me, he, he, he came up to me and said, Hey, you know that? We were God's first choice. And I kind of looked at him like, Okay, like, why are you saying this? And he says, We were just the ones that were crazy enough to say yes.
0: And yeah, I've always. The first been. ones to yeah. say yes. <laughs> and, I, and
1: I carried that word with me, you know, forever because I want to be crazy enough to say yes. Not because I'm leaning on myself, but just because I'm leaning on him. And understanding that it has nothing to do with me. Anything that we're called to do, it really has nothing to do with us. And has everything to do with him. Like you said, what he's looking for is just a willing heart. You don't need any qualifications. I've always loved this saying, God did not call the qualified, he qualifies the called. That's exactly right. And that's what it comes out to.
0: Yep. there. You will never, ever lose... Uh, obeying the Lord no. and some, there, there's three things that you will never lose with obedience, submission, and giving. Mm. You will never ever 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 lose with those things. Um, you you it might look like you lose in the short term, but in the long term it will uh, uh, each one of those three things will will always reap benefits. Yeah. you submit to the leaders God's place in your life whether your parents or pastors or whoever God's placed in your life, you submit to them, you obey God's word and you give generously and you watch their fountains that God opens up in your life doors that he opens up that would not otherwise have been open. Yeah. So. So what happened next now that you, you've got this uh, Bible club missionary calling, yeah. which, by the way, let me just add one more thing before you go on that the Bible says in uh, Ephesians chapter four that God has given some to be prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It's called the five-fold ministry for the equipping of the saints for, to do the work of the ministry. Yeah. And if ever there was an evangelist, I'm looking at one right now. Uh, I, know, I, I know you uh, well enough over the last year and a half that you're probably not so much pastor, but you are yeah. definitely evangelist. <laughs> yeah, not probably.
1: You, that's your that's your role. Yeah. You'll be the pastor. <laughs> um, but a- after from that point, um, I started working with One boy Student Missions, and I had a you know my heart was deeply stirred for the valley, and so I ended up going to schools. If you're from the San Fernando Valley and you go to these schools, let me know.
0: Yeah, you grew I'm up the, here, right? Yeah, In San I grew Fernando up Valley. Here. What yeah. what part?
1: Uh, well, I went to school in Pauley, so Sun Valley area. Um, now more, you know, Woodland Hills area, but always around the valley. <laughs> but um, I went to Grant High School, Birmingham High School, um, Centennial Jefferson. Um, There's different schools that I was—I don't even know how many—it's been Reseda High School, Fairfax High School um granada hills granada hills monroe like all these different schools and i just started seeing god's hand over all these schools the very next school i went to was birmingham and that club probably had like 15 to 20 kids within that year we saw it grow to 275 and we were like this is crazy this shouldn't be happening so
0: what were you doing to cause
1: it to grow Pizza, <laughs> pizza, you know, Jesus gave fish and bread. We give pizza. But what I, would I don't do, hate it. Yeah. Intentionally, what I did was, you know, people have asked, OK, what's the secret of growing a, a, a campus? Well, the secret is that there's power in presence. A lot of these kids see absence in their lives and not nobody really showing up for them. If I can give them a year of consistently showing up on these two days. Then I'm going to do it. And so what I started doing was one of the days that we call them, we call them donut days. So one day before club, I come with donuts. With no agenda, I'm not preaching. I'm just coming and I'm going to be like, hey, Abby, so how was your test yesterday? How did it go? Right. Hey, how's your family? And giving them a donut. I remember one time at Birmingham High School, this kid comes up to me. He's never come to the club, but I always would go see him during donut days because he loved donuts. And I would bring him specifically the one that he wanted. He goes, miss, I love when they call me miss. He just goes, miss, why do you come and bring me donuts if I don't go to your club? I said, well, because I love you. He goes, you love me? I go, yeah, because Jesus loves you. And he looked at me like, what? Like, this love didn't make sense. Like, you're giving me something freely without me ever giving you something in return. And sometimes I can look in the form of a donut. And then when they would come to club, I would bring them in the first time saying, hey, you know, what do you have to lose? One lunch, and then I give you pizza? Like, what do you have to lose? And I would preach for 10 to 12 minutes. And during those 10 to 12 minutes, if I could show you videos, everything was silent kids just listening. And they forget that they walked in for a slice of pizza. Right. They walk out with something so much greater. But I always decided I'm going to show up for them, and I'm going to be there for them, and I'm going to love them. And I want to do life with them. I want to know what they're going through. I want to know what they're facing. I want to show up for them more than a preaching. If they need something, I want to be able to offer that to them. So that became high school missions for me, just showing up for these kids and and gaining a heart for that generation, knowing that, imagine like the stories that they're going to come to. Where did you meet Jesus? I met him in my high school gym. I met him in my classroom. And now these kids have had a lasting effect on me, you know? Yeah. So from that point on, um, well, the last school that I was at was Monroe High School. Um, And so this has been the last four years. This would have been my fifth year as a high school missionary. And during this time, you know, I also launched um, Upper Room, which was the young adults ministry, which is actually how I came and, you know, I met you. Um, So Upper Room. You met me
0: when I was here for two days. One day. One day.
1: One day. No, it
0: wasn't the day I got here.
1: You came, you were inaugurated on a Sunday. I came on Monday. Right. The very next day. And, and so, yeah, so I guess two days, but I've always considered as one day, but I had such a burden to come into the church. I, so upper room had, you know, we were looking for a place to rent out. It would have been, we probably had it for a year. We're looking for a church literally down the street from here, um, from the pathways that there was a church that already told me yes. And then I had been looking for it for like two weeks, just looking for a place. And I had a few places that said yes. And I, I just kept driving past this random church. And I had never noticed it before. Like, before I was here, I was down the street. Most
0: people didn't notice yeah. it before. <laughs> didn't notice it. It was just there.
1: And I kept thinking, thinking like, there, there's a reason, you know, that I need to go. So after the church had told me yes, I drove back. And I had called a few times to the church, and nobody answered. Like, nobody answered here because, I guess, it was transition mode and nobody was here yet. And I was like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to go. I'm going to go see what happens. So I parked in front of the church. And then who I now know is your wife, she... She, you know, she sees me and I go, I need to talk to somebody about renting a room. Like, I don't know if there's a room available. I have like a young adult ministry. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like my husband's a pastor and you're praying. And then she's like, you want to come back later or you want to wait? I said, no, I'm waiting. And so I sat on the bench while you were inside the church praying. And I have a video, actually, of one. I'm just sitting there and taking a video of what it looked like. And I felt this extreme amount of peace, like, oh, something's going to happen here. Hmm. I knew I wasn't supposed to leave. And you were in there a while praying. <laughs> I knew I wasn't supposed to leave. Like, I, I I was to wait. And then when you came out and we, you know, we had the meeting, my, my plan was I'm going to ask him, can I rent a room? And I remember that conversation that we had probably lasted like over an hour.
0: No, it was like three hours. <laughs>
1: and we were talking about, you know, the things of God. Yeah. And at the end of that conversation, you asked me, can I be your pastor? And I had never heard that before. At that point in my life, I kind of felt a burden to the church. She thinks too big. Um, Her ambition is too out there. Um, She's just a girl. I was very struggling so much with like women in ministry. What's my role? And I felt like I, at that point, I I was unchurched for two years. I wasn't attending church. So I was a a missionary doing missions without a church (laughs) and just going at it. And and doing up a room and and, and not feeling connected to anything and just attending different churches, different services, different things to get my fill, right? to get my fill. And when you asked me that, I knew, okay, I'm going to think about it, but I knew this is it. Like something in me was like, it's time to settle down. This is where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And I mean, I've been here since then. (laughs) Yeah. So that's been the story.
0: Well, it's been amazing to watch you, uh, to watch you grow into the things that, that uh, God has called you to do, and it's it's you know speaking as a pastor, uh, it's it's so um what's the word I'm looking for? It's so rewarding and fulfilling to watch people that God brings into your church and that you have a hand in their life to help release them to become everything God's made them to be. Yeah. And, you know, God didn't call me to go to the high schools. That's that's not what he's asked me to do. He's asked me to do other things. And there's no one person in the world that is called to do everything. There's only one savior <laughs> of the world, and it ain't me, and it ain't you. It's Jesus. But we, as the body of Christ, each have our role to play. We have our, our part in uh in in the church in his body that he's asked me to do things that he's not asked you to do and he's asked you to do things he's not asked me to do but he has asked me to pastor a church he brought you to this church and so it's my job to say how can I equip you how can I help you how can I release you to become everything God wants you to be that's part of my job
1: and the way that at that moment you just open the doors and I actually asked you all right so what's the rent you said what are you talking about? Like, you're going to use the room for ministry. I said, okay. Like it didn't, these things didn't make sense to me because I never knew a church to be willing, open, and okay with people having giftings. And as I leaned into, you know, being a part of the church, I was like, this is what it's about. Because if we really call ourselves the body and all of us have functions, then we should function in our functions. Absolutely. And somebody has to release them into what they're called to do. And so that journey of coming back to church after growing up in church for so long and being away from the church, that was one thing that hurt me in that walk. Yeah. Um, And one thing that called me to evangelism where I was really open now to the people who are coming to Upper Room, a lot of us, um, including myself, were people who were in church and now felt disconnected. Yeah. And so what do you do with those that feel disconnected? Well, you open up a home for them. And we do community together. We seek together, knowing where two or three are, you know, and they agree on one thing, God will do that very thing. Yeah. And what our hearts were set on, even what's called up room, the presence of God, opening ourselves up to the presence of God. And so being here, you know, doing the high schools, doing up room, being a part of the church, just started this healing process and you know that's where we find ourselves now where we're doing these podcasts and you know even high school missions because of covid it's completely different now but you know it's still a journey of saying yes
0: yeah well you know if 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 my my job is to be the pinky of the bo- of the body of Christ and uh and god sends other fingers and other arms and noses eyes and mouths and ears, and the little pinky over here gets all self conscious <laughs> and says, "I don't. Well, you're a burden to me, and you think too big, and you want to do too many things. And well, then, then the body of Christ never becomes bigger than the little pinky. Yeah. And <laughs> but, you know, if somebody's a nose, and let them be a nose. <laughs> if somebody's a a hand, let them be a hand. If they're an yeah. arm, let them be an arm. And, and don't and, stifle. No. Don't and stifle. and and realize that God has gifted people to do things that he has asked them to do. Yeah. And so uh, uh, that's part of the job of a pastor is to realize whom God has brought into your church so that you can help grow them to successfully be and be released to be everything God wants them to be.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think that that's where a lot of the frustration comes um, with church and I really feel that this is where God wants to redeem church for what it's been, yeah. Because it be- it can become more um, about egos and less about Christ, <laughs> if we're being honest with yeah. the church, you know, as a whole.
0: Egos and uh, insecurity. Mm-hmm. When when I, I've 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 been a leader long enough. I've been around lots of different leaders to know and to know that that I had to deal with this early on in in my own uh, pastoral ministry that. That you uh when when you uh want to stifle people, it really is because of insecurity you you want to do everything you don't want somebody to surpass you, and so it's like, well, I see this person has a gifting or anointing, so I'm just going to kind of hold them down because i I still got to be at the top i mean after after all, I'm the pastor, yeah. and if somebody's you know better than the pastor then then they're going to somehow take my place, and that's just it's ridiculous it's it's fearful insecurity. Yeah. And there's no room for that in God's kingdom.
1: No. And like that being said, I want to take an opportunity to say something. If anybody here is listening and you've been through any church hurt, from me personally, I apologize for anybody that has hurt you, for anything that has been said, for any way that you've been pushed away. And I want you to know that just as, you know, all of us are human, we all have imperfections. You know, what you'll find in church sometimes is a lot of imperfect people. Sometimes, sometimes all the time. (laughs) And, you know, at the end of the day, although the people should be a reflection of God, we don't always do that. And God is more than that hurt that you've been around. God is love. And He, you know, He is greater than any hurt that you may have been through. And He wants to heal those parts of you and take it from somebody that has to have healed from church hurt. It can happen and it does happen when you open yourselves up to be a part of the body of Christ. And I want you to know that you are necessary in the body of Christ and your gifting is necessary, you know, in this generation and in this time.
0: That's exactly right. You know, I feel in my heart right now that there are people who are watching and listening right now who need to forgive They need to, you, God wants to activate your life and the things that he's called you to do and called you to be. And, and there's a hurt there that has caused you to run from the Lord, run from the church, run from the things that he's called you to do. And a lot of it has to do with anger and unforgiveness at maybe somebody's demeanor towards you. Maybe some hurtful words that were said, maybe other sorts or or sources of pain that have come through leadership And you need to, you need to forgive and God's going to help you do that. And he wants to activate you and, and you cannot be part of the body of Christ and not be connected to the body. Um, Psalm 68, six says that God places the solitary in families. And that's, that's, that's the calling of the church to be the family of God. Mm -hmm. And you need to get activated again. God is calling out to you It's Amy's testimony, not so much my testimony, but it is Amy's testimony. And I know it's a testimony of a lot of people. You know, probably most of my pastoring has been in Spanish. I've pastored more in Spanish than I have in English. And I have heard this from so many people saying, I never want to go to a Spanish speaking congregation again. I know you, (laughs) you come from, from, from that as well. Uh, My wife came from that. Yeah. My wife, uh, who who speaks English well, but she speaks Spanish better than she speaks English. <laughs> and she she was even said, I don't want to go to Spanish church again because of the iron fistedness, the the fear and the and all of that, uh, the, the treating them like little kids. And she was wounded. Uh, from that and I know lots of other people have and I've heard the stories
1: I mean church, church is real that's one thing that we oh, gotta it's recognize it's, it's very real yeah it's real and it happens
0: and you know and Amy Amy said to anybody listening right now said that she apologizes um but I as a pastor and I, I've done this on more than one occasion this is not the first time I'm doing this yeah. but I do sincerely say to you that as a pastor and a leader within the body of Christ I apologize for Uh, leadership hurts and church hurts that have happened. And I want you to know that God's calling you back. He's calling you back to connect with his body. He's calling you back to fulfill the destiny that he has on your life.
1: Yeah. You know, one thing that I really, you know, remind myself is an offended heart will keep you from the purposes of God. And there's no room for offense in the kingdom you know we can be offended from any level and i think that now with social media there's more to be offended about on every given oh day my gosh. and we want to be offended about everything but an offended heart yeah. will keep you from the purposes of god that
0: is absolutely right and you know uh, one of the, uh, a mentor of mine uh, said something that really really cut my heart a little while ago she goes i want to become unoffendable hmm. it's like oh my gosh yes yeah. that no matter what happens no matter who says what i am unoffendable yeah that i live in that much joy and grace and love that only comes from the holy spirit that no matter what happens i can extend that same love joy and grace to other people
1: i mean it really happens when we begin to set our eyes on him and that's why i'm really really thankful that, at least for me at the time when it happened my eyes were already fixed on Jesus yeah um i you know i tell my parents what happened could have destroyed me and deteriorated me ex- completely away from the church never wanting having anything to do with them but the more that that happened the more i realized how much more i wanted to be in the church because sometimes we can use what has happened maybe not as an excuse but that hurt is so deep that I don't want anything to do with God. And sometimes, you know, when I go through, you know, social media and what I do, those are the comments that hurt the most and make me, you know, yeah. sad the most. Well, because of how Christians have been, I no longer want to involve myself.
0: How yeah.
1: people have been, I, I don't believe in God because of how they are, you know?
0: Yeah, and and that's, that's uh, frankly, it's not fair to do to God. No. No. You know, it's like uh, somebody develops a racist attitude because somebody of some race did something bad to them. And all of a sudden they project it on the entire race of yeah. people. It's in- incredibly unfair to do. Yeah. And, and yeah, there are are you know, one of the things that I've, I've said over many years uh, regarding the church is that people say, oh, the church is just full of hypocrites. Uh, are there hypocrites in the church? Sure. Sure. I'm not going to mm-hmm. deny that. But I think what more is in church is people who are walking out their story and they just haven't gotten to the end of it yet. Yeah. That there are people who are hurting and haven't dealt with their hurts Mm -hmm. and hurting people will inevitably hurt other people. Yeah. There are people who are dealing with their sin and they haven't found full freedom yet. And so when you see, uh, that kind of hurt, that kind of thing in church, I think it's less hypocrisy than it is imperfect people who are still in the middle of their story. And while they're in the middle of the story, they happen to hurt other people. Yeah. But I think we need to extend the same amount of love and forgiveness as the Bible says uh, in the book of Romans that while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of Christ, he died for us. While we were against him, he still gave his all for us. And that is the example, as Philippians chapter 2 says, let this same mentality be in you that was in Christ Jesus.
1: You know, and Jesus, like you said, he exemplifies it the way that I've always thought about is even with like Peter. Peter completely denied Jesus. Yeah. And I love how, I think it's in Luke, if I'm not if I'm mistaken, I think it's, I'm probably, I think it's Luke. But he denies him three times, and at the end of the book he says, Peter, three times, like, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And I've always seen that comparison of here's three errors, and for every error, here's the redemption. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we're really modeling Christ, is it John? Okay, it's John. If, (laughs) If we're really following the example of Jesus, and we're saying that, then there also needs to be you know, forgiveness that we extend as well. Because yeah. if we become, like you, said, you know, the person that said, I want to be unoffendable, a person that's unoffendable is not limited to people's opinions, yeah. it's not limited to people's assumptions, but they're not released into their calling of who, you know, God has set them to be and who God called them to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's a beautiful thing to walk in to know, hey, I don't know what God is leading me to or where He's taking me, but it doesn't, I don't, I'm not going to carry any baggage with me. I'm just going to show love as we go along. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing to walk
0: in. It is. And it's something of the transformation that only the Holy Spirit can give you. Yeah. And so, Amy, I want you to pray for for people right now, okay. for people who uh, have some church hurt, uh, people who need to get back on the right track with Jesus, people who need to forgive, people who need to stop running from their calling and from their destiny. Yeah. And people who need to come to know Jesus, who are just happened upon this podcast right now. Let's pray. Do it.
1: Father, we just come before you right now, God, just asking that you would come and meet us. God, you know who this person who is listening, who they are, where they are, what they're going through, what they've been through. And God, we know that you are greater than all of those things. And we know that you are calling them to a higher place, So, Father, where there's any, Father, any offense or anything that has them, Father, caged in because of hurt or because of judgment, whatever it is, God, I ask that you would release them from that place. Yeah. God, that you would teach us to forgive the way that you forgive us, that you would teach us to love the way that you love us. Father, we recognize that, yeah, maybe there may have been mistakes that have been made, but, Father, you came to heal us, God, not just from, um, you know, physical sickness, but even our heart, things within our hearts, God, things emotionally that drag us down. So, God, I ask that you come and heal any wounds, Father, that have been done to them, Father, mentally, emotionally, whatever it is, Father, any wounds from the past, God, come and heal that and come and cover that so we can know you better and we can be in your will, following your purposes. God, I pray for anybody that you have placed a calling over father that they would respond with a yes today not withholding anything but giving you everything giving you our hearts our minds our souls father knowing all that we are belongs to you father may we know that we are not we're not in a place anymore to say no how could we say no when you said yes father we ask that you would come and activate anything that that is within us and that we would follow your will. Not our desires, but your will. Father, let your will be done in their lives. God, raise preachers, raise evangelists, raise missionaries, raise pastors. God, raise lovers of yourself, God, that would display you fully to this world. God, I ask that you would protect them, that you would cover them, that you would guide them and that you would bless them. And we pray this in Jesus' name and we say amen
0: amen thank you for being here Amy thanks for sharing about your life and thank your you, testimony pleasure, what God's it. done in you it's uh, it's a pleasure and we will see well you here next podcast because yeah. you hear every podcast <laughs> we'll <laughs> so, see you guys soon God bless you remember you can join us on pwh.tv for uh, all of our online campus stuff God bless you we'll see you next time bye guys <laughs>